each time you welcome a new baby, it's a new person and each baby is different. So although you may have been through it before, this baby has different needs. If you're breastfeeding, that journey might look a little bit different. And so I did feel this time around more seasoned. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. We are so excited for today's interview. You're going to get to meet Molly Chesterson. I met Molly when we both attended a doula training course. We clicked right away, and during our second lunch together, she let me know that she was holding on to a little secret. She is a big herself and expecting an empowered fan. We continued to get to know each other, and next, I had the extreme honor of being Molly's doula for her third birth, which is an experience that I will never forget. We've been hearing from you guys that you want to hear from more real moms, so we're listening, and that is one of the many reasons that we're bringing Molly on. We're going to get into all the things today, but first, please introduce yourself to our listeners, Molly. Hi, so um, as Amy said, I'm Molly, and um, I am a mom of three. I have three little girls, Nick, Scotty, and Kobe. Um, a husband. I am a sister. I'm one of seven. So I come from a big family. I'm from New York, but I currently live in Illinois, and we're hopeful that we'll we'll move back to New York soon. <laughs> I love this, Molly. This is going to be such a fun interview. When Amy came back from her doula training, she had so many great things to say about you. And then when you invited her to your birth, I just... I, Amy lit up. And I think that for some of our Herself listeners, they might not even know that Amy is doula certified. She had, wears a lot of hats and being a doula is definitely something special. So we're excited to get into this conversation. Um, and Molly, I had a doula for my third birth as well. So not for my first two, but for my third with Owen, I wanted just something to feel normal. Like I had a baby in the middle of the pandemic. He had Down syndrome. Like there was a whole bunch of extra doctor appointments and having a doula made me have this little sense of control. And it was such an important and really truly special part of my birth that I was able to have that doula. So can you talk about why you chose to have a doula for your third birth? Sure, yes. Yeah. So for my first birth, I had all of these goals of going in with no epidural and I was gonna just have a fantastic birth. And it was a really great birth, but at one centimeter, I decided I needed an epidural. And so it just completely went a different way um, than I had expected. So then with my second birth, I took all of the classes. I did a lot of research. I read a lot of books, listened to a lot of podcasts to try and prepare myself. And so in that birth, I did not end up getting an epidural, but at four centimeters, I asked for an epidural. And from when I found out I was four centimeters to having the baby, um, it was only like 45 minutes from when she came out. And during that time, my husband stepped out to grab some food because they were going to do the epidural. And while he left and before I could even get an epidural, I had the baby. And so he missed the birth. And so 
it was very traumatic for me because he wasn't there. It was, you know, just a lot to deal with by myself. Um, and I wasn't expecting to have the baby so quickly in, in a very short period of time. So that birth left us both, um, with a lot of emotions and things to deal with. And so going into the third birth, we knew, I knew I wanted to have someone else there to just, you know, if my husband stepped out that there would be somebody there with me and, or they could go grab the food or whatever, whatever it is. I wanted somebody there to help kind of coach us. I knew the way that I labor is very hands-off. And so I didn't think going into it, I would need a ton of physical support for, from a doula, but I, I thought both my husband and I could benefit from having someone who was familiar with birth and could ask the right questions of us, could help us kind of coach us through things. And also knowing that I deliver very quickly could just be that added presence. And I think that is exactly what Amy provided to us. And, and it was, my husband and I are both so thankful that she was there Um, but that was a a bit of why we wanted one in the first place, but actually I wasn't sure I was going to find somebody. So I went to go get doula certified because it's something I'm really passionate about, but I thought it would also be very useful to me. And like Amy said, I met her there, we clicked. And then I think I messaged her on Instagram after and was like, be my doula. And (laughs) yes, and it, it was perfect. Your births, especially at the end, especially after your water breaks, go really fast. Mm -hmm. And what happened was we had a newer nurse as our nurse. And so we really had to be strong advocates that Molly was at the end and that the baby was going to be there very, very soon. Um, So can you kind of let the listeners in on that story? Yeah. So from what I remember, because it all becomes sort of a blur was I remember having a contraction. Actually, I remember my water, they broke my water and you, Corn and I were just, we were talking, we were talking about podcasts and, and I started to just get kind of quiet and go into my own space. And that's when I knew things were picking up and it was just a very short time um, that this happened. And so then they wanted me to get on the bed because my monitors weren't working. And the next contraction, I said, the baby's coming. And the nurse checked me. And I think she's like, there's no way you're the baby's really high. You're only like six centimeters. And I was like, no, the baby's coming. And she said, I'll go get somebody else to check. And I was like, I do not want anybody else checking. I know the baby's coming. And Amy, you kind of just said to me, don't worry, like, we will catch the baby, we've got this, you know, making sure that I felt safe and secure, because if they weren't going to believe me, the nurse, or she just, she was newer, like you said, and so maybe she hadn't seen somebody progress so quickly, but I knew because of Scotty's birth that this is exactly what happened the last time. They told me the baby wasn't coming, but the baby came on the next contraction. So I was ready for it. I was prepared for it. And you gave me that extra reassurance to say, we've got you. And sure enough, the, another nurse comes in and I was, my body was pushing the baby out and that nurse was more experienced. And she said, get the doctor in here. She's having the baby. And then it was just, everybody was rushing in. So I could kind of see that in my peripheral but I was actively pushing a baby out. Like my body was doing the fetal ejection reflex thing where your body just pushes the baby out without you actively trying to push. 
And like I said, I had experienced that before. So I was prepared for it. I knew you and Corin had me if, if, there, if the doctors weren't ready. So I was ready to go. And thankfully, my doctor got there in time and caught the baby and, and all was well. But it is one of those things where if you have a doula who can provide that added piece of kind of emotional support for you in those moments where you might have a nurse who, who isn't sure or a doula can help you figure out how to advocate for yourself. Because in that moment, I knew my body, I knew the baby was coming. And I think with that particular nurse, she might not have seen something like that um, in her time. No, because it is, it's not like the typical course of labor, but it was just such a testament of like your body you have to believe your body and then you have to advocate that other people around you do too. And so she had checked Molly not that long ago and she couldn't believe that you would go from six to 10 so quick. Um, And we were like, nope, you got to go out and get someone else because we are telling you this baby is coming right now. And so we were very nice, but firm. And that's what happened. And so I, I just think for the listeners too, it's like you really have to listen to your body and and tell people what's going on and, and don't let people tell you that you're wrong about something that you knew was so right. And here I was, I'm like, okay, on my first doula experience, I'm going to literally catch a baby and they're going to fire me from this profession because that's not what we're supposed to do. So it was the most beautiful birth. I had tears spilling down. I was like in the corner behind them having my moment because it was so beautiful to watch them welcome their third daughter. Abby's over here crying at your birth (laughs) story right now because there's nothing quite like it. Like there's nothing quite like a baby meeting their mom and dad. Um, I know that that was your and Corin's third child. So I think for the listeners, it would be really interesting. How has the transition been to three children? It's been an interesting transition because obviously this is our third time. So we have two kids already. We've been through that. But each time you welcome a new baby, it's a new person and each baby is different. So although you may have been through it before, this baby has different needs. If you're breastfeeding, that journey might look a little bit different. And so I did feel this time around more seasoned. Um, My second baby was a COVID baby. So we were already prepared with all of that and and staying home more, but um, it was closer to summer. So it was nice. It was our first summer baby to be able to get outside, which really helped with our last two. They were winter babies. So being cooped up inside a lot, it's challenging. It feels like I moved from the bed to the couch, to the bed, to the couch. And this time I was able to get out more, but it's really interesting because with three kids, it almost feels like even if someone isn't attached to me, somebody's attached to me. It's Mm -hmm. almost a difficult feeling to articulate, but I almost felt like I I had this, like something weighing me down almost. Like even if the baby was napping, it would be like, I have to go pump. I was super engorged and I have just an oversupply in general. So it'd be like, I'm always attached to either a pump or a baby or one of my older girls, which my oldest is only three. So, and she's very clingy to me. So something or someone is always attached to me. And that to me is a very heavy mental load 
So it was really important to me as we transitioned to three to be able to find time for myself, whether that was walking outside um, or, you know, calling one of my friends to just kind of disconnect from my immediate family a little bit. Um, so I would say that is the, the, was the biggest transition for me. Although we weren't new, brand new parents, it was just the shift of really feeling needed a hundred percent of the time, whether it was from one of my kids, my husband, or even, like I said, just pumping and feeding and things like that. And a quick break from our sponsor, which is BetterHelp. You guys know how much we love BetterHelp. And in this interview, Molly's talking about the demands that come from everywhere, having multiple children, work, taking care of a house, partnership. There's a lot on a woman's plate, and it can feel really heavy at times. Amy and I, we feel it. Molly, she speaks about it so well as well. But speaking to a licensed therapist, it can help. And it can help on those really, really rough days. But more importantly, it can help to be proactive with making sure that you're getting your needs met, getting the strategies in place so that we don't burn out and have that overwhelmed feeling. Um, I personally have been using BetterHelp for almost, gosh, it's been a year and a half now, and have loved working with my therapist on a variety of different things from marriage into parenting into personal struggles, anxiety. And you can get 10% off your first month as well by going to betterhelp.com slash herself. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash herself for 10% off your first month. Yeah, that's like when people say, you know, after so many, like you don't even notice that there's another one. I'm like, I don't get that sentiment. I don't care if you have six. It's like, the baby needs the mom so intimately in that first year. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's just so much. So I'm like, I don't get why people say that. Like my experience is opposite. It's like mm -hmm. every time, like you said, every baby is different. Every journey is different. And so every time I've certainly felt very demanded just in different ways. And I know a bit of your backstory and that your journey to motherhood and growing your family wasn't easy. You suffer from PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. You have had a couple pregnancy losses, including an ectopic pregnancy, which ruptured one of your fallopian tubes. So I know that other women in our community are going through really hard fertility seasons right now, or maybe they're supporting someone that is struggling with fertility. Is there anything that you would say to someone that is currently in a season of waiting? So this is such a, a topic that I found when I was going through, you know, my, my ectopic, like you said, Amy, was it was kind of traumatic. It was an emergency situation and I had never heard of it before. And I didn't realize at that time, so many women deal with infertility. I think it's something around one in eight uh, couples deal with some type of infertility and it's so common, but people don't always talk about it because maybe they see someone post a pregnancy announcement, but they don't know what it took to get there. And for some women, it is like the movies. It, you know, you try one time and you're pregnant and you have a healthy pregnancy, you have the baby and it's, that's it. But for so many, it, that's not the case. But 
we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And so it can be a really lonely thing to deal with infertility, especially if you're on Instagram and you see big accounts and you see all of these things going on, it's overwhelming and it can be a lot. And so I think, um, leaning into the different resources out there. Everybody comes into to different stages and some people will need IVF and some people will need donor eggs and it looks different for everybody, but there are amazing resources out there. If you're at that point in your journey where you want to look for those resources, there's tons on Instagram, but there's, I personally liked listening to podcasts um, and a lot of the recommendations came from my fertility doctor. Um, But I would also kind of flip it and say, um, if you are supporting someone through infertility or you have a friend who maybe you're thinking, why, why don't they, why aren't they sharing that they're pregnant yet? Or you're waiting for their pregnancy announcement. There might be something going on behind closed doors. And I think for me personally, one of the things that always hurt the most because I didn't tell every single person I knew what was going on with our journey to becoming parents or TTC um, in the infertility world, as people call it, is the insensitive comments of, you know, when are you going to have kids or I'm planning to have my next baby on this date. So we have a summer baby and those types of things really sting. So just being mindful, if you're somebody who doesn't isn't having a hard time of those who might be having a hard time. I'm not sure if I'm articulating that well, but I think the flip side of it is how can you support people who are going through, through um, infertility? Because it, like I said before, it's really hard and a really lonely journey for a lot of people because it's not the conversation you want to bring to the dinner table to say, Hey, I'm having a hard time getting pregnant or I'm having recurring miscarriages and things like that. So um, I do think it's way more common than people think. And and I'm pretty sure people probably know multiple people who are going something like that behind closed doors. And it's just not something we're always thinking about. Yeah, Molly, and thank you for sharing that part of your story, because it can be so hard. And you articulated it perfectly. In our audience right now, either women are struggling in the same ways that you were struggling, or they want to support a friend or a family member who's going through that as well. So that's just really, really good information that we can all take with us as we talk to our friends, as we navigate these journeys on our own. Were there any things that you did to protect your own peace? I know it can be really difficult when friends are on social media, when those pregnancy announcements come up, was there anything that you did that helped you while you were on that journey? For me, I love information. So trying to find other people who might be going through similar things was really helpful for me. And I actually created an Instagram account um, using my middle names at that time, um, Rosetta Gwendolyn, which is where I, I created this account and posted kind of anonymously and used hashtags to find other women. And I actually made some really good friends who were going through the journey at the same time as me, who all now have had kids. Some of one of the women had two sets of twins within a year and she was dealing through all of this and then got pregnant with one set of twins then got pregnant with another set of twins. And so I met all these women through Instagram. We did different secret exchanges of cards and really supported each other. So that was something for me. I didn't know these women personally, like they never saw my face. I never saw theirs but it was a way to connect with people going through the same things. And for me, that was really helpful because 
people in my personal close circle weren't dealing with the same things and couldn't relate and couldn't really understand why I was so upset. Or they would say things like, you know, just give it another month. And they weren't trying to be insensitive, but they just didn't get it. So that was something that was really helpful for me. And I really leaned into social media. And for me, that was helpful. That's not going to be helpful for everybody. But um, I disconnected from my personal Instagram and leaned into this kind of private one where I could meet with other women. Oh, Molly, I love that part of it because social media and even just how you said that social media can be such a trigger for some women going through this because you're seeing all the happy faces, the pregnancy announcements, but you used it as a resource to help you in this journey by just closing off that part of it and really having that private, that private side and that private um, account. So that's a really, really good recommendation for anybody who might be going through the same thing of finding that support group of people, that, that niche of people that can support you and that you feel safe every time you open up that app that you know you're going to be around individuals who are in the same journey as you. So I love that you shared that part of it. And then Molly, you're a working mom of three little girls. So we would love to hear about your working motherhood journey. Um, I'm wondering, did you always know that you wanted to continue working while growing your family? And if there's any tips that you have for our listeners, please share them. So yes, I did always know I wanted to continue working. I love working. I love learning. Um, I'm very passionate about what I do. Um, And so I, I knew that being a stay-at-home mom wasn't for me. So my mom stayed at home a lot growing up and, and that is great. And that's a right choice for so many women, but I knew that wasn't the right choice for me. So when I got pregnant with Nick's, our first daughter, I had called my mom because we're from New York, all of our families in New York. And I called my mom and I said, will you move out here to watch Nick's for us and kind of be our full-time childcare And she said, yes. So she, when Nix was six months, she picked up her life in New York, quit her job, moved in with us, and she's been here ever since. So that allowed my husband and I to both continue working and it allowed me to continue my career. And I found, I was listening to your guys' episode with Molly Millwood and it was so, it's such a great episode. Just Abby, you sharing about being a working mom and I feel very similar um, to the, to things you shared in that episode, Abby. And I, I love my job and I find that it helps me be a mother at home that I can go and do what I love and kind of what fills my cup and then come home and be a great mother. I love my kids so much, but I also love my career. You know, it's really interesting to, it's something that you and I connected over right away. Like both of us really own that we love our working motherhood and you you guys utilizing your mom to step in and help in that multi-generational kind of living is is something that like a lot more families are choosing i would love to hear about um the positives of it and if anything is hard especially maybe in your marriage do you and corin feel like you have the privacy and and things that you guys need to foster your marriage it's hard. I, I would say <laughs> it's hard. You know, I I'm part of the herself community on Instagram, and a lot of when people are sharing their things around mother in laws and things like that, and in laws, and and thankfully both Corn and I have great relationships with each other's parents. But you know, just think of spending time with your own parents twenty four seven. It's hard, um, and I think COVID has made that even harder because 
during, you know, for a long period of time, we were all here all the time with everything shut down. And so where in the past, my mom would take the girls out to activities and do different things out of the house. She wasn't able to do that. And where, you know, corn would be going into work and I would be going into work. So having us all under one roof got to a very difficult point. My mom wanted to leave and to move back to New York. And one day she said, I'm, I'm leaving. And I kind of lost it. Um, I was hysterical. I was like, how could you do this to us? Because we have, we have no backup plan, you know, but at the same time, it, it wasn't fair to her. And I think we've talked through a lot of those things and um, using just so many different resources on how to foster those relationships is really important. I think we all struggle, not just Corn and I in our marriage with that, but also my mom, because she is essentially raising my girls. She spends so much time with them, not only Monday through Friday, but on the weekends, we do a lot together. And so I think each of us works at that relationship every day. It's uh, my mom and my husband have a great relationship. I have a great relationship with my mom, but just like anybody living under the same house, we go through those different, different things and figuring out how do we give her the space she needs. And, and kind of like my daughters will just attach to her at all times. And she's like, I need a little space. So we work through that daily, but I think for us, it has also been the biggest blessing for our family to have my mom here. I mean, I can't imagine them having any other type of support. It is fantastic, but yeah, it, it certainly comes with challenges. A quick break from one of our sponsors, Homer. Homer is the essential early learning program for kids ages two to eight. It's personalized learning with thousands of activities across reading, math, social, emotional learning, thinking skills, and more. The great news is, is that it is ad free and it's safe screen time that you can feel good about. Homer is proven to increase early reading scores by 74% with just 15 minutes a day. Right now, through the end of January, Homer is giving you access to a 60-day free trial to the Learn and Grow app for all of you. All you have to do is go to our link, which will appear in the show notes, and you can try Homer for your little ones and see if they like it. It's a app that all of Abby and my children use, so we feel really good about it. Again, if you go to that link in our show notes, you can get access to your 60-day free trial of the Homer app, which is highly recommended by a lot of teachers in this community. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's just even in the way that you want to parent, because one of the things that I say, like, I have such a great relationship with my in-laws. It's grown over time, but the best it's ever been is right now. And I kind of let go of being nitpicky about, you know, maybe the way that they discipline or, you know, maybe different things that they say around the kids, but it's like, if, if they were right in my grill, like every single day, it's like, then it's more hard but it's interesting because like as a mom that sends her kids to daycare it's like i have no control really i don't really see what they do and so it's almost like this healthy like unseen obviously we trust them we know them everything like that but we don't it's not in our face and i think during covid the problem for a lot of families is like everything was like right in front of you and then also like when you're 
working from home, you told me when you were in your labor and delivery room, like you would eat lunch with them. So it's like mom is coming in and I don't want to say disrupting, but like there's a flow to taking care of children. And when you're all in the same roof, it's like your flow is off. So I can see how that would have been so challenging for you guys and also your mom. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Amy, I think one of the things that you said that kind of hits home with me is like with all of our in-laws or and my dad and who don't live with us, if they do something with the kids, I don't, I don't even pay attention to it because they're with them for such a short time. And I always remind myself, they have my kids best interests at heart. If they want to load them up on sugar and cake and whatever, they only see them every so often. I'm going to let them do it. Whereas my mom is with them a hundred percent, like she's with them every day for some period of time that I want her to parent in a similar way that corn and I do, but I also don't nitpick everything. But if there's something that we're really firm on, like we don't force our kids to finish meals and growing up, my mom always forced us to finish meals. And so I'll have the conversation with my mom and, and find a way to approach that topic because I also don't want her to feel like. She, she might feel like, you know, I raised seven kids. You guys turned out okay. So yeah, yeah. Molly, like, you're you know, fine. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, here's, here's why we do it this way. Here's, you know, and find the areas where I want her to do things, how we do it, but also give her the space to do it her way as well. And so that's a balancing act. But I think, you know, we we're three years into her living with us and it's, it's going well. And I don't see her, even when we move back to New York, I, I want her to come with us and still live with us. So mm, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that situation. Um, and I know that you're just about to switch jobs, going back to the conversation of being a working mom and that transitions can be stressful. So tell us, how are you feeling about tackling this career shift? I am really excited. It is always bittersweet because I absolutely love the company I work for right now. I love the people I work with, but I've mentioned a couple of times we're from New York and want to move back. And, and this position, um, it, it's a great opportunity. It gives me more kind of um, responsibility in my role. So that's a great piece of it, but it also will allow us to move back to the East Coast to be closer to family. And so that won't happen right away. But with um, taking a job that's headquartered out on the East Coast, it's going to allow us to do that. And that's been something that's been really important to my husband and I is to to get back before the kids really start school so we don't have to uproot their lives. And so it's it's part of that. Um, so I'm really excited, but it's always, um, nerve wracking, right? Is the grass going to be greener on the other side? I don't know. Um, so you don't really know what you're stepping into, but I, I am really excited. Yeah. It's really interesting. We always get those submissions from our community about people making cross country moves or moving back home, whatever it is. And I'm like, oh, that seems like so much, but I'm sure that just like anything, there's going to be positives and there might be a couple things that you miss. When I was in your labor and delivery room, I got to know your husband. And recently you told me that he actually sent you one of my Instagram posts that was about marriage. So just like my partner, Drew, and Abby's partner, Colin, it seems like you two are both willing to learn and grow when it comes to making sure that your partnership 
gets stronger during a season that can be really kind of tough on it. So what are the biggest things that you two have worked on over the past few years when it comes to partnership and making sure that you guys are both getting your needs met as parents of three? So, yeah, I am a very big, I've said a few times, but I lean into social media and I will send him posts from, from you, Amy, from, I'll make him listen to your guys' episodes when you have your husbands on, because I don't want to be the only one hearing it. And thankfully he will, will listen to it and um, take the advice and we talk about it. And I think that's the important piece is that we both are learning to, to listen and grow and we want to make our relationship a priority. So both of our parents are divorced. And one of the things that my dad always says to me is make sure you make your relationship a priority. So of course, kids come in and they take so much of your life in, in a good way, but they have so many needs that it's easy to lose yourself. It's easy to lose your marriage. And so it's something that I think we are willing to, I don't want to say the word fight for, but we are like, we, we want to make ourselves a priority. And so it is a difficult season with three kids. There's a lot of needs, but I think we're both passionate about finding ways to make our, our, our relationship work. And part of that is having our needs met. And for him, it's very easy to slip away. If he wants to go, um, out to, you know, to a dinner or with his friends, it's very easy for him. He doesn't have these same type of, I don't, you know, attachment, I guess, with our kids as I do, where I find it very hard to take time for myself. And again, going back to that episode you guys did with Molly, you were saying something like that, Amy, as well, that that was difficult for you to, um, when you had Max to step out. And that's, I find that difficult. I've never found a good way for me to make myself a priority, but in this new year, both my husband and I said that, agree that I need to do that for myself. And I know I'm, I can do it with work, but extracurriculars, I'll say like outside of work, how do I make myself a priority? And I really need to do that for myself. And I think um, he's really supportive of it, but I need to make myself a priority. Um, So it's great to have a partner who is, is as focused on that as I am. Molly, yes, I think that you have the heads of our listeners nodding right now because we do, we need to focus in on that. And just like you said at the way beginning of this interview of you, your body, your time are always being demanded by these, by these children. It's a wonderful thing and it can just feel so heavy. It can feel so demanding at the same time. Um, and you're doing a lot right now. Like everyone in our audience is doing a lot, but just having your fresh perspective, this has been such an incredible interview. And with two working parents, Molly, three children, you're doing so many things. Are there things that you two still struggle with in your marriage or with parenting? Of course, of course, of course. I think with parenting, some of the things is like, we might have different views on things. I think my husband and I were raised differently. He's the baby of the family. And so I would say he's still probably um, babied a little bit today by his mom, which is, she's, she's amazing, but it's, it's things like that where, um, I actually pick up a lot of the load of, I mean, our finances, um, all doctor's appointments. I mean, just all the things that go into running our daily lives all falls on me. 
And so in addition to the motherhood load, I have a, a heavy mental load. I have, you know, my regular job. It's just everything. So much falls on me. And so I'm always saying to Corin, like, I need help with this. Like, here's our finances. And I would love to do what Amy and Drew do, sit down every month and go through it. But it just has not happened. And we, those are things, areas where we struggle. And it's like, not as high on my priority list to work through those at the moment, because I think we need to pick our battles. And that's not one that I'm like, we need to figure out today, but there are areas where it, it wears on me. And so finding the balance in that we've recently started doing couples journaling, which has been amazing for our marriage. Um, I think the company is called like promptly journals that we use and we love it. It's a great way for us to connect and find areas where maybe we're not happy in our marriage or, you know, and finding ways to communicate with each other. But I, I mean, we have the just daily struggles of we have three kids at different ages and they're all very demanding in their own way. And so how do we parent through that and how do we align and have those conversations in front of our kids, different things behind closed doors. And so we work through that. But I think coming back to the previous question is just how do we prioritize ourselves so we can show up as a united front to our kids and, and prioritize our marriage. So then we can show up as our best selves for our kids. That answer was really interesting for me. I know that Abby and I recently took a Gottman course. And one thing that came up is like, as people that are in partnership with kids, like you forget to talk to your partner about like who they are, what they struggle with, like things beyond like, how was your day? And can you go to the grocery store right now? <laughs> like we forget it's so transactional. And so I loved the idea of journaling because it's like, wait, who are you and what are you struggling with besides like what we're both struggling with? It's like you lose sight of like that person is a person and connecting with them. So I love that you brought that up. Molly, it has been an absolute pleasure to interview you. And on a personal note, an absolute pleasure to get to know you and your family. I would love it if you let our listeners know where they can find more of you. You can find me on my personal Instagram at Rosetta Gwendolyn, or you can find me at my other Instagram, which is called Love Baby and Toddler. We have an Instagram and TikTok, and we just create tons of videos and reels on all things babies and toddlers, different activities, food, all different things for babies and toddlers. So that's just Love Baby and Toddler at Instagram and TikTok. Molly, thank you again. This real take on motherhood from somebody who's in our community has been so refreshing. And for the listeners and on behalf of Amy and myself, thank you for just showing up real, showing up with your vulnerability and speaking on so many topics. Everything really from infertility and your journey with PCOS into how you can help with your marriage. I'm taking that promptly journal tip. I think that's a really good idea. I'm a, such a journal person. <laughs> I'm like, I want to do some of these couple journal things. So I love that tip right there. And just about making yourself a priority or where we can set more boundaries or let up in some of our relationships. So you have just been such a breath of fresh air. And thank you so much for being on the podcast today. 